0: ayah number sixty. I number sixty, Surah Zumar, Surah number thirty nine. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ويوم القيامة ترى الذين كذبوا على الله وجوههم مسوّدة أليس في جهنم مَثْوَلِّ للكافرين أليس في جهنم مَثْوَلِّ للمتكبرين Allah subhanahu ta'ala says on the day of judgment, you will see those who belied. Allah fabricated lies against Allah. The faces will be dark and darkened both. Is there not a dwelling place in Jahannam? For those who are arrogant. Meaning jahannam attracts people who are arrogant. That is where they belong. So darkened faces refer to disgrace. And also punishment. You see Allah will disgrace people on the Day of Judgment and they will be recognized by their faces being darkened and also ugly at the same time. And Allah then says that has a natural effect of Jahannam. Jahannam uh, attracts people. Um, you know, what kind of people? Those who deserve to be there. So the arrogant people are naturally gravitating towards Jahannam. It is where they belong. You see all this natural cause and effect discussions in the Quran and so on. So this is how we must also appreciate these ayat. These ayat tell us, inform us that our actions and our behavior... Okay, do have a consequence, and the consequences are regulated the way other things are regulated in the world. So just as wat- water is wet and it uh, extinguishes your thirst and poison will kill you, likewise good deeds will get you into jannah, and bad deeds will get you into Jahannam. Is a natural effect. Determined, So the effects of actions are predetermined by Allah, just as the effects of things in the physical world are predetermined. That is called qadr, Allah's qadr. So this ayah is saying that when people deny and reject Allah, and when they disbelieve and they forge and fabricate lies against Allah, it has an effect the effect of that is disgrace on the Day of Judgment. And you can't blame anyone except yourself. Uh, when you face the consequences, like saying, I drank poison and I want Allah not to kill me. Mm. So you can't do that. Okay. That is not the way the world works. Um, so anyway, so these natural cause and effect uh, go beyond nature, that's what I'm saying. It extends into the world of deeds and actions and the world of deeds and actions also have cause and effect relationships and this is the effect of these actions. So the effect uh, of uh, arrogance is that you will be gravitating naturally towards jahannam and that is what this ayah is speaking of. So if you don't want to be uh, gravitating towards jahannam then stay away from arrogance basically. Is that symbol. And as for those people who have taqwa, mm, those people who have taqwa, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will save them. So there the cause is Allah himself there. Allah's Fadl, Allah's Rahmah is the cause, uh, the reason why they are uh, saved, and they are saved because they protected themselves through taqwa. The taqwa, the word taqwa means to protect. Allah protects you from the fire if you protect yourself from sin. Mm. So, in that case, there's also an equal distribution of cause and effect there. Except we say it is Allah's fadl and rahmah, uh, more out of adab than anything else. Uh, with their success, through their success because of their success. So on. That evil uh, will not touch them. That evil will not touch them because Allah will protect people Those who have taqwa, since they protected themselves in the world, Allah will protect them in the other world, and the eventual evil will not come upon them. Or it could mean that evil does not come upon people who have taqwa in this world, either in the sense that evil does not disturb them. Hmm. Um, Evil does not influence them, and evil does not... Make them change their values and their views. In that sense, your taqwa protects you from uh, acquiescing to evil and so on. So that's another way to understand uh, these words of the Quran. Wala are they going to grieve? They don't grieve because they don't miss anything that hasn't come to them. It's a mindset and it's an attitude towards life in general. So when you have taqwa, you already have all of these features and qualities that help you protect yourself uh, from uh, not just the consequences of evil, but also uh, fear, anxiety, and depression, and all of that. Hmm. So these are the facts about the Day of Judgment, so one group will be those who are disgraced and end up in the wrong place, and there's another group who are honored and they end up in Jannah, Uh, these are the groupings as this Surah is about groupings. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the creator of everything, he creates everything the way he does but at the same time he is a wakil a guardian advocate of everything that he creates okay so he is the guarantor basically so he guarantees that if you maintain the creation of this it will do this right so he's a wakil he's a hafil he's a protector of all the rules and regulations of that creation as long as man does not distort that creation, if man distorts the creation, then the divine guarantee goes away. So everything is created for a reason, a function, and a purpose. If you mess around with that uh, through genes, uh, 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 manipulation and all that, then that creation has been distorted. And there's no guarantee for, what do you call it, uh, um, protecting distortions of man. Then Allah's Wakala goes away. You, kind of, you understand? Yeah. If you interfere with the function of something that Allah has created in nature, then the interference will bear its own uh, bitter fruits. And those that are the results of human interference, not of Allah's management. Hmm. Even though Allah is still the creator and he still allows you to interfere. uh, The wakada issue uh, goes away. The wakada meaning his his protection. He will no longer advocate for that thing to be functioning the way it usually does outside of man's interference. Mm. This is how we see this ayah being played in today's society, in today's uh, community where human beings must appreciate Allah is the creator of everything. He initiates the creator, he originates the creation, and so on. That is also cause and effect. It is almost similar to the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has protected the Qur'an from distortion. So if man distorts Allah's wahi and kalam, as they did with the Torah, and the Injil, and perhaps the Zaboor, then there is no guarantee that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will protect it. Hmm. But Allah protected the Quran from distortion. That was his promise to the Quran. So human beings, even if they want to, Allah will always send someone to make sure that they can't distort the Quran. Hmm. In that way, you can justify this as a similar approach to this ayah where Allah's advocacy, his wakala, comes upon the Qur'an and does not necessarily come upon other forms of revelation. Alam. To him alone belongs the keys or the treasures to the keys. Or the keys to the treasures of the heavens and the earth mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. see that there are treasures everywhere in the heavens and also in the earth on the earth, and so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala controls all of those and he owns them, and he sometimes distributes those to whomever he wants, except the the treasures and the keys to what's on earth are different from the treasures and the keys that are in the heavens. They're not the same mm. in uh, nature. Yeah. In order to access what you want to access on earth, then you probably need dynamite and a drill. Right. In order to access the treasures of the heavens, you don't need dynamite and a drill. You don't need nuclear weapons. You can't send missiles up there to access those treasures. You need something else, and you, you need heavenly means. Mm-hmm. Heavenly means, are they're called du'a. They're called dhikr. Uh, those are the keys <laughs> that uh, are accessible to human beings if they follow the Prophet, sallam, um, and the Sahaba. Um, so those are the keys there. Uh, you can't use these keys there because they're different locks, yeah. So there, So, but Allah alone controls both, what's in the heavens and what's on earth. So what's on earth is accessible to man because man lives here, and man may have means to exploit and to, uh, you know, um, dig out and to quarry and to discover and find all the treasures of the earth this way and that way, physical means. They don't have access to what's he- in the heavens because it's a different scheme, different system altogether. And those uh, keys are given to the prophets, salatu salam, and they give them to their followers and their believers who inherit one generation after another. Sometimes they're recorded, sometimes they're not recorded, uh, so on. But those uh, need spiritual and heavenly beings in order to uh, process, manage, and to uh, exploit them, if you want to call it that. Mm. yeah wa The Quran says, in the heavens is your risk. So how do you access your risk from the heavens? It's not through brute strength or force or power, it's through subtle strength, soft power, the power of dua, power of dhikr, power of istighfar, which is going to bring down whatever is promised to you in the heavens. That's how you then become someone who worships Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you mention his names, his words. And then you may have access to some of that. But there is a lot there. To Allah alone belongs all the treasures of the heavens and the earth. The ISS treasures of the heavens and the earth. Not just the earth. Hmm. But the munafiq, the hypocrite doesn't know. Because the hypocrite is aware. His head is in the sand of the earth, literally. He doesn't look to the skies for any kind of treasures. Because he doesn't believe there's anything there in the skies except stars. Uh, all the planets. And, um, so this is how we see that, wal mm. To him alone belongs all the treasures, or the keys to the treasures of the heavens and the earth and Muslims. I've always had the advantage to bring down and access the noor and the fadl and the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, through their du'as and their dhikr, reciting the Qur'an and uh, all of that, which I mentioned throughout the Qur'an and Sunnah. As I said, Salawat al-Nabi, Istighfar, and good deeds, all of that. But Allah says, Those who disbelieve in our ayat, our signs, and our revelations, indeed they are the losers because they will lose out on everything that exists in the heavens. Mm -hmm. So if you want a manageable, good-looking portfolio and you invest only in one stock and you disregard the 99 other stocks that are available to you, then you're a loser, basically. So you've invested in the stocks of the world, the dunya, this earth. I you want know, gold and silver and platina and all of this you know, good stuff. Right. But you've discarded what's in the heavens. Because what have you done? Those who disbelieve the ayat of Allah, they don't believe in revelation, they don't believe in wahid, they don't believe the signs that Allah sends to them. Through the creation of his, then that definitely loses in the sense of a commercial understanding of the ayah. Khasirun, Khusran, obviously the the Quran speaking to the Arab who was engaged in business transactions and commerce, is that commercially you've lost because you don't have 99% of all the commodities that are available to you, you only rely on 1%. Allah is not about one percent. Allah is about hundred mm-hmm. percent. So, in, in order for you to access a one hundred percent, you need to believe in Allah and His ayat, His revelations, His signs first, and then you may be able to process them, and then you may be able to benefit from them, uh, and so on. So, so, you need the physical. You also need the spiritual. Yeah, so, when you have both, then you're not a loser. Then you're a winner. Yeah. This is how the Sahaba saw this. And this is how the Anbiya was except the Anbiya focused primarily on the heavenly benefits of Allah's creation, not on the worldly benefits of Allah's creation. That's a difference. They weren't concerned about the world. They were more concerned about all the heavenly, in uh, inamaat, blessings that Allah sent down to them. Heavenly benefits such as knowledge. Uh, such as good ethics, moral, and behavior, character, uh, such as good intellect, uh, such as uh, being able to do good deeds. Uh, these are all heavenly characteristics uh, that uh, human beings can procure, process and access, and execute if they know that these are actually treasures from the heavens. Mm. All right. But uh, in a very, very okay, uh, myopic understanding of even the secular world or the secular world only focuses on this earth. And if you're truly secular, you focus on the whole part of nature. And nature includes the heavens, right? (laughs) But you're not even secular in that sense. Uh, Even in that, you're a loser. philosophy doesn't add up to your claim that you're secular, mundane, mundane means worldly. Then you might have a case with that. But if you want to say you're a naturalist and you only believe in the naturalist uh, approach to life, then you must believe that the heavens have a lot of things to offer. What they offer is what we call nuzul, descendants. The Quran comes down in the form of descendants. Allah's Rahmah comes down in the form of descendants. And likewise, the risk comes down in the form of descendants. Also, the Quran says that your risk is in the heavens. It is only in the heavens where your risk is stored. That's what the Ayah says. You think your risk is stored with your employer, your business, your college degree? the ways you make money. No, that risk comes from the heavens first. It has to come down. If it's not there, it's not going to come down. Mm. So there, in order to uh, facilitate, accentuate, and perpetuate that uh, process, you need dua and dhikr. You need to do your salat on time. You need to stay away from haram. and You need to do all these good things that bring about not just risk, but the barakah with risk, and the risk with barakah. So these are important issues that all human beings must uh, adhere to. Uh, otherwise they will be guilty of kafir. they'll be guilty of denying Allah's ayat and when you deny Allah's ayat, you are a loser. <laughs> because you have not gained access to the majority of your own livelihood and your own uh, success in this world. اللَّهِ أَيُّهَا الْجَاهِلُونَ Say Muhammad announce and declare that it is, is it that uh, you are instructing me to worship someone besides Allah? Is it anyone besides Allah that you are instructing me that I should worship that's how the Ayah reads, literally, in the, the Arabic. Ayyuhal Jahiloon, oh those of you who are ignorant, oh ignorant ones, that you don't know what it is Allah wants you to do, so you are ignorant, in that sense. Jahiloon, the Quran. Obviously, he doesn't shy away from calling people out. <laughs> huh? Yeah, so you have to be careful. No, Allah is Rahman and Rahim. of Allah is merciful. So why is he calling everybody jahilun? <laughs> you understand the point? Hmm. Yeah. So is it out of Rahman that he's calling you jahilun, or is it a scorn? I don't think he means. Rahmah here. I think it's a scorn here. Then you are jahilun. This is a sign of Allah's anger. If you worship anyone besides Allah, then you are jahil. You are ignorant. You don't have akal understanding, and you don't have ilm. You don't have knowledge. Both. Ah. So this is what the word jahil means. So the, the, the word jahil is a lack of both. Not just one. It's not just a lack of knowledge. It's also not a lack of aql, understanding. Yeah. So meaning that you cannot worship anyone else besides Allah because Allah is the only one who creates. Since he's the only one who creates and since the, He is the only one who claims that he creates the heavens and the earth and you, has there ever been a human being uh, who says, I created the heavens? Has uh, anyone ever said that I create the heavens? No one makes that claim. Yeah. Is there anyone who says I control the sun? No. No one says that. So human beings, even in their claim, they are very, very limited to uh, claiming lordship and godship, and so on. So what they do is that they superimpose their ignorance uh, on other creation of Allah, and the sun is our creator and maker and our giver, or this statue is our creator, maker, and giver. Maybe not creator, but definitely giver. <laughs> so you know, you start worshiping creation, and when you worship creation, then you're a fool, basically. The creation has no effect, impact, in of itself. It uh, derives its existence from Allah, and it derives its energy from Allah. And without that, there is no effect in any creation. So uh, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is asking the Prophet Sallallahu in front of the Quraysh and the people of Mecca and everybody in Arabia, that uh, you are all jahilun. You are polytheists. You are idol worshippers. And idol worshippers, by definition, are jahilun. No matter how much success they have in this world. Hmm. If you worship false gods and uh, statues and idols and you do puja of them, then you're jahilun, basically. Right. So, the Muslims must look at that first before they start to evaluate the success of some of these groups in the U.S. of A. and say, these groups have made it so big in the U.S. of A. But the Quran calls them jahilun. So, where is your Islam? Where is your loyalty? Do you say that they're jahilun? Or do you say they're immensely successful? They've penetrated. that my point? You, everybody knows who I'm talking about, so we won't be that uh, explicit. <laughs> Sometimes it's not good to be explicit, but you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. Meaning the Quran says that the 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 basis upon which you can measure your knowledge and intelligence is the way you worship and what you worship if you worship anyone else besides god you have no knowledge you're jahil period end of discussion no matter how brilliant you may be in math and science and politics and business yonzan That's the standard of knowledge and intelligence that the Muslims always lived by. That Tawheed is the essence of intelligence and knowledge. Monotheism, not polytheism, right? On the other side, it's atheism, which is even worse, (laughs) right? So, to say that this atheist is supreme in his intelligence, you're a fool to say that he's intelligent. That's not the way you uh, measure intelligence. The way you measure intelligence is in who you worship and how you worship. So that is revealed to the Prophet ﷺ. The fact that Allah is one, the Prophet ﷺ already knew before prophethood. That's a no-brainer for most people who are monotheists that Naturally, they will come to this conclusion that the creator of the universe has to be one. So, Tawheed is innate. It is in the very nature of human beings, in the bones, in their marrow, in their blood, in their genes, in their DNA. Hmm. That is how we see uh, Tawheed has been essential to intelligence and essential to knowledge. Uh, Anyone who has knowledge will not worship anyone besides Allah, if that's the standard of your intelligence and knowledge, then you have a Muslim community. But if your standard of knowledge and intelligence is that, uh, it doesn't matter what they worship, don't worship. Religion has no role in the secular world because the secular world is guided by materialistic values and cause and effect and science and blah, blah. blah. Then you're not a Muslim community. You're a pseudo-Muslim community. You're a wannabe. You're a wannabe. This ayah tells us, Allah calls all of them jahiloon. Ayyuhal jahiloon. You see the announcement the Rasulullah is making. Can you imagine him standing there in Makkah, reading this ayah? To all the mushrikeen, ayyuhal jahiloon. Picture it. Then see what it takes to be a Nabi. Uh, then see his stamina, his resilience, his uh, bravery. Uh, then see his guidance and then see how sincere he is, dedicated he is to his cause and to his mission. Then you know the worth of a Nabi. That it's only a Nabi who can actually say this. Why? Because we don't have the guts to tell people that they're jahilun. We say it is unsophisticated. We don't have any power left anywhere in the world. Uh, So if you called anybody who is not worshipping one Allah, a jahil, uh, you'll be severely ostracized from everybody. Your own family members will say, what are you saying, what are you doing? You're a fanatic. You're a fundamentalist. No. The Qur'an is a guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to all of mankind. And when mankind reads these ayat and verses or hears them, they should take heed and understand why is Allah saying that shirk is jahl. That polytheism is ignorance. Why is he saying this? Because at the end of the day when you die, you're going back to only one crater. And that is Allah. And when that one crater wants to meet you, he doesn't want you to say that there are two craters. That'll be treason. If you say that there's somebody else in my government who is ruling. (laughs) Right? That's, uh, That's why our current president is the epitome of being part of monotheism. He allows no one else to rule. No one. No shirk whatsoever. Even his own advisors. But that is how Allah is. Allah is very possessive. So possessive that he will not tolerate any amount of shirk. How dare you even remotely suggest that there's someone else worthy of worship besides me. That's what the hadith says. Yeah, so that's how we, we must uh, appropriate our evaluation of ourselves and others according to and in the light of Tawheed. Everyone talks about tawheed. Well, yeah, tawheed, tawheed. Tawheed, 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 Tawheed. This is Tawheed in this ayah. The Tawheed tells you anyone who worships anyone besides Allah is a jahib no matter how successful that person is in the world, he's a jahil. Can you handle that? <laughs> then now you say we believe in coexistence. Right? Then you say we believe in social decorum. Then we say that uh, we will be with you. We'll work with you. But you can't work with people whom the Qur'an has condemned as jahil. Mm -hmm. That is antithetical to your whole position of knowledge and intelligence and so on. So we must be careful that when we evaluate people, we must evaluate through the lens of Tawheed and maybe not necessarily announce this in public in Times Square, but at least in our own minds, say I don't care how successful this person is in the world, he doesn't measure up to knowledge and intelligence according to the Quran. As long as you have that in your mind, uh, you should be okay and you'll be saved from many unnecessary forms of vanity and keeping up with the Joneses. And you'll be saved from the rat race. Well, because At the end of the when you die, all of this goes away. What, the dunya goes away when you die. That's the reality, right? When you die, nothing in the dunya comes with you except what your ibadah and your good deeds and your amal and your bad deeds. Nothing comes with you. So why are you measuring the success of the dunya according to where you're going? That is pathetic. So what the Quran is saying here, it is supreme in the sense that it helps a Muslim Elevate himself above everybody else who doesn't believe in Tawheed. And that is the sense of sukoon and barakah that Islam gives you. Then you are your own. Then you're independent. And then you have self-esteem. Then you don't suffer from inferiority complexes. Ah. I am good because I worship one, Allah. That's all you need to know. Everything else is immaterial. It's not even secondary. It's immaterial, period. Yes, you can have a nice house, education, car. whatever. Everything's fine. But that's all material success. The true success is being able to access the heavenly treasures. Treasures that exist and come down from the sky. That's your true success. Success is limited if you want to just uh, pinhole it into the world and the secular benefits of this world and uh, and so on. So what I'm saying, basically, is that the Qur'an gives us this uh, criterion. And the Qur'an itself is a criterion, it's a furqan, that you must measure intelligence with intellectual facts, not with ignorance and ignorant, uh, speculation that's how you measure intelligence if you want to be intelligent then you must be a more you must be someone who believes in Tawheed first otherwise you're not intelligent according to the Quran now that's a, a standard which is beyond Muslims <laughs> the whole 20th century Muslim went crazy uh, and didn't understand this right that's our, unfortunately, legacy of the 20th century, which we've carried over now. Uh, we're going even further down uh, the road astray, away from Allah, from the Qur'an, from the sunnah, from Islam in general. Because we simply want to accommodate everybody under the sun, which you can do as human beings. Um, yeah. We're not saying that only one religion exists in the world. A factual statement. That's not a factual statement. There are so many different religions that exist in the world, but there's only one intelligent one. And which is that? It's yours. The one you have is the only intelligent religion, period. If you have that understanding, it's not a passion. This is a factual statement. I'm not saying be emotional about it. I'm not saying be passionate about it. I'm saying it's a factual statement that one has no plus one with him. Allah is alone. Once you understand the intelligence in this, then you don't need anyone else or anything else. And that is why the early Muslims who believed in Tawheed, the way Tawheed should be believed in, were immensely successful in the world. Never mind the Akhirah. In the world, they're extremely, why? Because they knew they were intelligent. They didn't have inferiority context, oh, we're sub-intelligent, or we're second best, or we're third best, or this and that. No, and that. we are intelligent because we believe in one. Mm-hmm. Belief in one makes you intelligent. It creates your intelligence, and so on. So this ayah is loaded. Uh, good nasiha for Muslims, especially, here today in the U.S. of A. and other parts of the world, where we no longer see Tawheed as being part of our lives. It's, it's, it's like an Aqeedah you put uh, where um, you put it's like the way we sometimes, some of us, treat our Mus'af. It's on the shelf and it's collecting dust and we never go back to it. Aqidah is there on the shelf somewhere right on top there we never touch it we never visit it we never read it this ayah says aqida is your life it should be what drives you especially your tawhid so tawhid and intelligence go together shirk and stupidity go together right. so anyone who's a mushrik is stupid by definition it's a fact. I'm not saying, this. it's not emotional. It's, 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 you, you, some of you might be thinking, I'm being fundamental, but I'm not, I'm saying it is a fact. Why? Because how can you say that the creator of this grand universe is two, or three, or more? where do you come up with this? That has to be the most illogical, irrational, and I won't use any more stronger words than that. <laughs> Statements ever. Right? That the creation of this universe is more than one. So, anyway, what we know from this ayah is that this ayah, through the word ayyuhal jahilun, gives us a reading of how to measure intelligence. And the way a Muslim measures intelligence is in the way he worships and who he worships. That is why we must uh, approve of Qulya Because that surah only talks about ibadah. What is all about ibadah. That's why the ayat of the Quran are miraculous in their ability to give us nasihah and guidance and reform us and help us uh, deal with ourselves. These are all the frailties of the Muslim Ummah because the Muslim Ummah lost its value in Islam, in Tawheed, in Risala, Nabuwa, and obviously belief in the Akhirah and so on. Allah guide us all and give us all tawfiq uh, to believe in one and the one and to worship him the way the Prophet wa worshipped him. Ameen Ya alamin wa sallallahu ta'ala al-akhir khilqi Muhammad wa alihi wa I'm not get out.